Samantha and welcome to the Layman's Doctor podcast where we're bringing medicine home. In celebration um, of having new interns and persons completing medical school during COVID, I thought it'd be really fun and interesting to talk about what that experience was like. Now, we're still having COVID, so as usual, or since recently, since March, this podcast is being recorded online. So if you're hearing any wonky issues, you've been having a few issues with sound here and there, um, just bear with us and remember that we're practicing social distancing. Today, I have with me Dr. Theon Sims, and he's going to tell us all about his experience and answer a few of my questions that I think a lot of us may want to know. So, Dr. Sims, thanks for being here, and just give us a quick introduction of yourself. Hey guys, what's up? Um, so yeah, my name is Theon, Theon Sims. Um, I'm a part of the class of 2K20, big up 2K20, you don't know. Um, and it's really great being here on Sam's podcast, The Layman's Doctor, right? Um, so yeah, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about how med school was, I guess, for me and a few other med students in even the lower years um, and how the transition kind of went between, you know, from being on the wards and so on until COVID came and then MBBS online. So first we have to talk about the structure of med school. Because, believe it or not, maybe persons listening to this are either interested in studying medicine mm -hmm. or just interested in knowing what is happening um, for persons who do study medicine. Um, first, it's five years at UE, and this is UE Mona, UE in Trinidad, and UE in Barbados, and I think they have it in Bahamas as well. So the first three years or the first two and a half years are your preclinical years where you're learning in the lecture theater. Then the other two and a half years, you're going to be doing practical exercises. So you actually go on the wards, um, which means you get to interact with patients and you get to see patients and do various procedures as well as, as, well as have your lectures too. And then after those five years, you have two quote unquote post, I don't, it's not post internship, but you have two years where you have internship and then you have senior house officer um, years that you have to consider your training at UA Complete. So Sims is at internship, which means he's just finished MBBS and I'm at senior house officer, which means I finished it in 2K19. So I'm at my year two. Mm -hmm. COVID came out, or our first case of COVID-19 happened in March. Um, that means the final years have been at what? In their last rotation, right? Yes. Yeah, so we were about like halfway in our last rotation. I think five weeks have passed, and every rotation is 10 weeks. Yeah. So in final year, you have three rotations that you do. You have medicine surgery. Obs and Gaini, comes come community health and elective. So there are four blocks, four ten week blocks. Five. Four ten week blocks. No, there are five ten week blocks. 
Wow. No, for... <laughs> so you have yeah exactly you oh have... peds yes oh peds <laughs> i forgot about peds <laughs> nobody on peds hears this <laughs> you know okay so peds which is you know internal medicine for children basically yeah um so yeah you have your five ten week blocks and after you complete those blocks you actually have is it a week or two before the actual exam starts. So you always get a break. Mm. I can't remember how long the break is. I barely remember MBBS, even though it was a year ago. Yeah, I'm actually not sure how long we were supposed to get. I think it was maybe a week, maximum. Two. Yeah, I think it's I think it's two weeks. It's a good little it's a good little break. Mm. It's not super long, but it's a good little break. Pretty sure for us at one week, but yeah. So I remember that I remember having students at the hospital mm-hmm. um, and then COVID came out and they kind of pulled you guys out of clinical learning. So it wasn't just the final years that were pulled, but the fourth years and the, the you had third years yet, but anybody who was doing clinicals was pulled out of clinicals. Yeah, even third years were pulled. So everyone from third year up was pulled. I was even there with you at um, we were on surgery. Yes, that's true. So yes, you were on surgery with me. Yes, yeah. that's how we met. Yeah. So you guys were pulled. Um. Let me tell you how I went. So I remember we had our first case sometime in March, and everybody was kind of like yo, this kind of serious to what's going to happen for med school because, I mean, so many things can happen. First, I don't think the faculty would have wanted us to be exposed as med students, right? And, you know, that could, I mean, serious litigation could occur. Like, there's so many different things that could happen, right? Um, and you generally want safety for your students. Yeah, because I remember, I remember there was a lot of uncertainty. People didn't even know if MBBS was going to happen. And there were conversations about having students come in. And um, I think, I don't know if it was like a formal convo, but what is it? I don't know. I was on Twitter and, you know, they were talking about med, med students actually helping. Because I think in other countries, that's what med students were doing. They had med students who were coming out to help and whatnot. Yeah. But even some schools might have allowed them to just pass and continue working. Um which I wouldn't say it's certain certain places. And I think it's because they would have already done like all their exams. Cause you know, we have to do all five blocks, as you said. So we have to rotate through medicine, surgery, et cetera, et cetera. So we'd have completed all of that and then just take the final exam. So I, I think some schools in different parts of the world have, they just graduated the students. They just said, okay, go work, be doctors. Cause you guys have probably passed everything. So yeah. So when when it happened, let's go back to March. What was kind of the the I don't want to say reaction, but wh- how were the emotions during that time? Not just for you, but like also your classmates. What was kind of the reactions that were happening when you said you guys aren't going on the wards anymore? I think for some of my immediate friends, we were kind of just very skeptical about the whole thing, and we we're kind of worried. Because there were talks of MBBS 
not happening now and then you know the other time the other exam period for mbbs is in november so we're like are we going to be held back till november no one no one like made plans for that financial plan so on and so forth like people have goals right so this kind of set us all back and everyone was just all over the place anxiety was on high um and so many like false information was coming out and people aren't really sure what was going on so that was kind of where I was at. I wasn't sure when we were going to have MPBS. So there was so much uncertainty. I know for us, the, the first thing that probably came because, you know, we're nearing the end of our internship. We literally had four more months before internship was over. And it was it was just thinking, okay, I'm almost there. It's almost done. And then COVID happens. And it's completely makes everything you know you have no idea what's happening so you guys were nearly senior interns at a, <laughs> you know we were senior interns for five days at some hospitals oh, yeah. not all hospitals did it i know that um you hwi hmm. did survive without interns and a few other ones as well they just kind of made do with their january crop and um you know, their other supporting staff. Um, but yeah, it was a real, it was a real, it was a, it was really scary for both interns and medical students and possibly even SHOs because if med students don't move on, they're thinking, oh my gosh, interns don't move on. If interns don't move on, SHOs don't move on. And it kind of put us in a position that I don't think we've ever been in. Mm-hmm. So I think for a lot of it, we weren't really sure what to do you know yeah completely understandable and then there was the issue of like even transitioning so UE it's so funny because we were told I think it was a Thursday that we are supposed to come off wards and so on and so forth and then it was Friday I can't forget this it was like Friday March 13th so it's Friday the 13th so you know some bad things are going on like my brethren was supposed to do his Calm health exam because that's in the five weeks that's the end of five weeks yeah and they just scrapped it they're like nope you guys can't have exams on the friday and so they were just like well you could just come in and just do the exam itself because you know but then you was just saying no and it makes sense but i mean you can't blame them you know it's a it's a huge it's a very infectious disease they don't want you guys to be exposed to it um they don't i don't know um but yeah Two things when I ask about this, right? Um, it's funny that you bring up come health because I forgot that you have examinations. You would have had exams at that five-week mark or you'd have been preparing for examinations and it did come towards the end of the week. Um, but then also in final year, that's when you get your exposure to gynae because fourth year is really geared towards obstetrics so when i put it out on twitter that i wanted to have a conversation about this you know um someone messaged me and they talked about the fact that they were it happened right when they were having their gyne gynecology rotation and it was it would have been the first time that they've been exposed to it so Mm. i'm gonna pause on that because i want to talk about the whole experience and then how you feel now 
um, having started and how it may, how you think it may have affected you and your colleagues. So March, you guys came out and then eventually transitioned to online learning, right? Um, I think it was, I don't know. I think a lot of us, I know I, I am. I was curious about two things or I am curious about two things. How did you guys finish the five weeks online? Right. I know that they had examinations online as well. Unfortunately, wasn't able to speak to anybody in the earlier year yeah. years mm-hmm. about the exam layout. But how you continued classes, and what was the exam format for the rotation? And then I want to know what MBBS was like online. All right. So. All right, so transitioning itself was kind of wild because I lived on a hall, so I had to move all of my stuff um, to home and so on. So that transition period was kind of weird. And UA itself, they gave us a month. They gave, I guess, the lecturers and so on a month to get their, you know, get, get themselves ready for online class. So that month period was like a break for us, um, which was good because I think I needed a mental break. Like, coming right up to MBBS pressure is high, like like sky high, right? I'm sleeping maybe four hours, five hours a night. Um, some nights I do get like rest, but the weeks leading up to it, like the two weeks leading up to it, I was getting like five hours of sleep. Max. So I'm just going to come in here and be like, if you had told me that you were getting four or five hours of sleep going up to MBBS, I would have, I don't want to use the word chastise because it sounds kind of mean, mm-hmm. but what I would have spoken to you strongly. I, I, I think that when you're preparing for MBBS, you need to actually have your sleep. And I sleep. <laughs> I also do sleep, but it's just, it was because of where I was going. So, you know, we have to go on the bus and it, you wake up early and then you get kind of late. So you have to study late. It was just because of where I was at. You, normally, I get like at least six hours. Six hours. Okay. Yeah. Six hours should be six, six hours should be on the the lesser end, the minimum, you know. But anyway, I'm sorry. You're no longer a student. You're no longer a student. You know, know you'll be surviving on two hours, one hour, zero hours. But um, I've had two hours on a duty already. It's just it's terrible. It's it's the worst. Yeah. So you had to move back home. Mm-hmm. And then, so they gave us, the problem is that month break broke my whole, like, cycle. It broke my, my routine, everything. So I kind of got uh, lazy. Like a lot of my um, classmates, I'm pretty sure they were just like, okay, we're at home now. It's kind of chill. Mommy cooking food for us. We can kind of relax and do some chores around the house. I remember during that time that, you know, Twitter is my place. It's my favorite place to be. There was a lot of tweeting talking about don't think that this is a holiday don't think that this is a break you know keep studying because i think everybody was in exam mode not just mbbs students but everybody was coming towards the end of their semester DMs. at that time yeah everybody everybody at ue precisely everybody you know you had a break but it really wasn't a break and yeah, I, I do think that 
I mean, it, you're at home. You're right. You're at home. You're not really going to school. You're not really going to classes. And then on top of that, you don't really know what's happening. Fact. You know? Mm-hmm. So I could see how you wouldn't be studying as much yeah. as you would have been before. But of course, it didn't drop to zero. I did, I did something. Like <laughs> nobody's, nobody's judging you, you know. Nobody's yeah. judging you. <laughs> yeah. You already passed. That's fact. That's fact. That's fact. <laughs> So, <laughs> so <laughs> I'm having flashbacks to when I was a student. No, that's more like PTSD. That's that's not a good laugh at all. <laughs> you know, even up to like a month or two after MBBS and I started working, I would still have flashbacks to the exam. You know, I don't even. I don't think you're even. Because it didn't have the exam like how we had it, I don't even know how to explain it. Because yes, it's the same. All right, so non-medical people now gonna get this right now, but it's the same OSCE type setting, but it's also like an OSCE, and you're thinking, oh my god, if I fail this, I'm not gonna be a doctor. And apparently, failure is the worst thing ever. And you kind of forget that the exam you can do it again in November. You know, you don't really notice. Like the degree now runway still, so you know, it's not that serious. Um, but yeah, for an OSCE and OSCE for the people that don't know, it's just the practical setting. So you examine a patient or you take a history and an examiner, i.e. a consultant, is there in the room, right? And they're listening to you, they're grading you based on your technique and what you say. So it is it is pretty stressful. And I do like OSCEs actually. And that was the biggest problem, but we'll talk about that later with MBBS. What we'll talk about. I'm sorry. When when we transitioned from OSCE, from no OSCE to OSCE, that's when I started to thrive. And yep. that is a whole other conversation of itself because when you start learning with your hands and actually applying your knowledge and you're able to think about something or kind of work it out and it's not multiple choice, it's so much better. So I like essay questions. I like OSCEs for real. Yeah, because with multiple choice, the answer is either there or not. You know it or you don't. And the answers can be very... Yeah, you have a 25% chance of getting the answer right. And that's some... Sometimes it's 20. Sometimes it's less because they have A to E sometimes. Right? Yeah. In an OSCE, you can... You're, you don't even have to have a discussion. You can just... If you're very like good at doing like certain examinations, you get marks for that. Right? So those are like guaranteed marks. You're going into an exam and you kind of know... Common things are common. So, you know, yep. in like a surgery exam, you're going to get a hernia or you're going to get a breast. Those are common things like breast cancer or hernia to examine. And so you kind of go into the exam knowing what you have to do in terms of examination. And then it's just a discussion on the topic. So when they swap the whole MBBS thing to just only multiple choice, that threw me off significantly. So MBBS was completely multiple choice. Yeah, it was completely multiple choice. So anyways, all right. You had your one month break. Then you started your online classes. Mm-hmm. Um, do what Did you like anything about having classes online? Yeah, so there were definitely some highlights of having classes online, especially like, hmm, I would say maybe my best thing about it is being able to rewatch the lectures um, because sometimes my attention span is it's not really the best like my attention span is really just 
it's trash to be honest. So sometimes even in lectures, if I'm in just a regular lecture, I will not be paying attention 100% to the times. So I'll miss maybe minor details, so on and so forth. So yeah, I've missed minor details. So, and it's also good for students with unreliable internet connection. So if you have the recording, you can always play it back. If you miss it, if you have Wi-Fi issues, but it was good in the sense that even people who had who don't have stable internet connection, live in say rural parishes and so on, they have access to the recordings. So I thought that was really brilliant. And there are other really good, um, there are other pros to having online classes. Um, I mean, it's easier to be on time. That's the biggest thing. I didn't have to walk from like where I lived on a hall to the hospital or rush to like get lunch and then go to a class and end up being late and so on. No, you really have no excuse to be late. It's just if your alarm woke you up or not in the mornings. So it's easier to schedule classes in what we had to do during the day, which was the minimum because COVID, you know, most people are home. What about the practical aspect of class? Did you guys have any practical aspects? Um, so, yes, we'd have. So majority of my classes that I, the, the ones that I went to was because I was on surgery. I went to a few classes, maybe four <laughs> max. But anyways, that's not the topic of discussion. In terms of the practical aspects. So I have to big up the lecturers still. Right. I know they had only like a month to get their stuff in order and to learn how to, to switch to online, which is kind of difficult for um, a lot of the consultants. So I would say they did try. Um, there are certain they would always include what we would say in or what we would ask in the history. Um, they would always talk about examination features. They would even have certain like tutorials, interactive sessions where they'd have a lot of pictures, right? And so they would try to, like they would show a picture of maybe a hernia and then they'd ask, what would you do if this was like, you know, your exam? Like first you have to examine it, then see if it's reducible or not, those kind of things. At that point, did you think that the chance of having a MBBS exam with its usual modality was still an option? Uh, no, simply because they communicated to us that this is how MBBS is. And I feel like it would be a big runaround if they just said, ah, scrap what we just said a while ago. We're going back to the original thing. Nah, I didn't think so. And cases were climbing at the time. So everyone was kind of fearful. So I, I don't think, I didn't think that was a, a, an option on the table. Did you think you're going to have MBBS? Uh, yes. I, I mean, at that point, they did communicate to us that you we'd have MBBS on X date. Um, apparently, I don't know if, I don't know what it is, if it was a communication mix-up or so on, but information slipped and we caught wind of certain things. So whether it's, you know, from other faculties, you know. <laughs> that was a whole thing. Um, I know that for us, it was, because um, when, when that happened, we were also made aware and we were eventually told that having MBBS happen, you needed to have 
like approval from some board. I can't remember the exact board, but that's what they were working on. They were working on getting approval and whatnot. But that's good. I know that now the fourth years are still in school and their practicals have been pushed to kind of January. So it seems as though UE is hoping that by January school can start back and they can start back going into the hospitals. I really feel it for the, well, the now final years especially, because yes, and even the fourth years too right now, but the final years have to do your 10 week rotation in five weeks, right? So it's five, five week blocks up until I think end of December. And so imagine learning, say all of surgery in five weeks, and then you have a multiple choice exam at the end of the five weeks to do. I know I couldn't do it. Like, 10 weeks, I needed those 10 weeks of surgery, right? Five weeks, boy, I'd be fretting after every exam. And then... That reminds me of fourth year, actually. it's That's what fourth year was, where we only had five weeks to learn a bag of stuff. Fourth year is easier. Fourth year is kind of like, you know, a chill year. Oh, it's fourth? No, because you see, the thing is, you know, remember in final year, your sim, the only thing that is new is gyne. So if you had a strong foundation in third year, and I think that's one of the biggest lessons to come from this, is that you need to have a strong foundation and not try to relearn or learn everything in final year because it just is going to make everything super difficult. Well, I think the good thing about um, medicine itself is it gives you several opportunities to relearn certain topics. So it does repeat itself. So as you say, you learn, let's say, kidney like the physiology of kidney like you know the electrolytes and so on and so forth like how they move how aldosterone works and so on and so forth right then you learn it again in like third year because you're on internal medicine then you may read it in maybe a topic or two in fourth year then you come back to final year and you have to learn it again right like look how many times you do heme heme can't have done you know like the basic heme clean heme heme in path and i mean sometimes just forget heme you still repeat it. So it does help to solidify a lot of the information. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, you know, I find that med school is not, it's not, a, it's not a sprint. You kind of have to trot along and just keep refreshing, keep refreshing. So, yeah, I feel it for them. Um, but even the, pra- as you said, the practical experience, but, um, I'm even wondering about pre-clean students like they don't have their anatomy labs to go to. So I don't, that may be an issue in learning anatomy, especially for me, because I'm a tactile learner. Like I like to see the thing, feel the thing. So that's how I learn. So I don't know. It's kind of rough, but I think the lecturers are trying and there are ways to learn online. You just have to change the tactics a bit. Yeah, we just have to be innovative. I know even for, and then the, what what they might have to do is like think about bringing on simulations and whatnot and just try to, you know, I know for anatomy, the way I, in brackets or in quotations, learned anatomy, mm-hmm. Um, I know we had um a software that had the actual, not really pictures, it looked more kind of 3D, but you could actually see the stuff and I don't remember what the video was called, but that's what we used because 
during my year, we weren't really able to stay in the anatomy lab for long, and we eventually rallied for it to have longer opening hours and all that stuff. Oh, you guys did So you're welcome. Big up 2K19. Big up. <laughs> um, so MBBS format was completely multiple choice. No short answers. Nope. Not even for surgery. You have multiple choice, and then you also have the EMQs, the extended matching questions. So that is basically still multiple choice. So. Yeah, because, I mean, we had, we had in my, all right, so MBBS, the usual quote-unquote format was this. You have your first week where it's just papers. For medicine, you have two days of multiple choice questions. It's like a hundred of them. And boy, probability sometimes just on your side, you know. <laughs> so, you know, medicine, um, for me, that was the hardest one. Mm-hmm. I liked OBGYN, Obzangani, because you had so many opportunities to get your marks. You had your multiple choice. I think we had extended matching. Mm-hmm. We also had short answers, like that kind of short answer paper. Um, I think we ha- yeah, we had two papers. One is your short answers, you know, based on your case or whatever. And then you had a multiple choice. And I can't remember if we had extended matching questions. But I like that paper because you could, you had a lot of opportunities to get marks. Mm-hmm. Then your surgery paper, and I was really upset when I heard that they were taking away the short answer. Because I think on surgery, you really get your marks from the short answer questions. You get the bulk of your marks from short answer questions. And then you have the EMQs and you have the MCQs. And I remember even when we were talking about strategy, because going into MBBS, and I, it's weird because you guys are the first group that had to do MBBS in a way that no one had ever done it before. You guys are kind of like a guinea pig year, right? I'd like to say we're always the guinea pig year. Loki. Like that a lot for us. Like just tested out random stuff for us. So yeah. They did have a lot of changes after our class came in. So yeah, you guys have been the guinea pig year. But the the good thing that we had was because it was those the, the 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 way the papers were set up was known you started to learn different different strategies on how to take the exam and how to maximize your points i remember for surgery they used to say do the short answers first get you because you even know the mark scheme so you know that if you don't finish the exam you've already gotten most of your marks from a certain place and surgery was one of those papers that people say that you don't always finish you know um and then after we had our week of written examinations we moved on to have our oscis so yeah then we had our oscis and as we said earlier um i don't remember what oscis stand for but it's your practical exam and what basically happens is that you have a patient in front of you and you're asked to do various things so you're asked to do a history mm-hmm. right or you're asked to do. Well, you already do histories for surgery. Yes, exactly. No, I don't. I'm not. I'm talking about OSCEs in general. No. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So you can do your history. You do your examinations, or you can have a discussion about a patient, right? And also with those, you have your mark scheme. So especially for medicine, 
you know that if you do these steps, no matter what happens in those next two minutes, once you know you hit all those marks, you're good. Mm-hmm. Right? And even when it came to the history, even if you don't know what the assessment is at the end of it, you know that once you've hit certain marks, you're good. You know? And then you have a discussion after it. And that's a problem with the MBVS thing because I even know, I've, I've like a couple friends that didn't pass and if i'm being honest mbbs itself was not easy at all like i had to really think throughout all of mbbs like in fact because it's so fast-paced so the way they change the exam is um you have 30 questions to do in 40 minutes right and you have five questions on a page and you cannot go back so after you, you cannot go back. Nah, nah, nah. So it's just like as soon as you hit all those five questions, you just click next and you can't go back. So you have to know it's like a spotter. You have to know exactly what you the answer is, and then you just move on, or you just guess in that moment. It wasn't. It wasn't like a spotter. MBBS was a spotter. Yeah, the, exactly. Like MBBS literally was a spotter. I was and spotter by the way because. A spotter is, so it's these examinations where you're in a ring, you're in a circle and you move from station to station and each station has a question and you, all you have is your answer sheet. So you can't go back to look at a question. You can't go back to look at a station. You basically, if you don't answer the question there, you just have to move on and go. And it's, well, for a spotter, it's four questions in two minutes, I think. And yeah, you can't go back as you say. And the answers are from A to P. MBBS. Oh my god, I would not have. I don't think I could have done MBBS. Yeah, it was kind of wild still. I was every after every section, so they would split it up, and then after forty minutes, you get a ten minute break, and then you start back. And there are three sections for every. Yeah, exam. that was told. You guys did a spot of for MBBS, and Loki, that's kind of genius. But also, Good spotters in- are stressful. Yeah, they're st- they are stressful, and I can see why they did it in terms of like reducing the risk of like cheating and so on and so forth. Because everything's very time is timed, so you just have to just go. And I was I I remember after the first forty minutes of the first paper, which was medicine, and I walked outside to like get some air. I was sweating. Like my shirt, I had to take off my shirt. There was just dripping sweat. I was just really focused. So yeah, it was it was kind of demanding. It was quite demanding actually. So were the questions all right? So for me, mm-hmm. the questions on our written paper were very academic, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why for medicine, personally, not really personally, that's why for medicine they said just do the exam, don't even worry about it, and then you kick the OSCE out of the park, right? Yeah. Were your questions only academic or did they include like case-based situations? They definitely included like certain clinical aspects, certain things that you'd have to work out. Um, You know, you get like, we got a couple of ECGs. We got... um, You got ECGs in MBBS? Yeah, I mean, they weren't overly hard ECGs. I think they were fair questions. But we got clinical based stuff. We got ABGs. We got, yeah, we got a, a few clinic, 
quite a few. But that's no, but that's the thing though. I don't I don't consider an ECG question clinical. Clinic like it's clinical, but it's not something that I would have gotten in an OSCE. Really? You I get me? ECG stations in, in medicine, like the clerkship. Well, I didn't yeah, in the clerkship they have it. But in MBBS I don't I didn't have any I don't know of anybody who had an ECG station. Yeah. But I don't see how medicine would have would have translated their stuff because the medicine e- examination was really to see your practical skills and your ability to examine. Yeah. I mean, I guess you can't always cover those bases, but they did try to make it very clinical in terms of the questions, very clinical-oriented, case-based, those kind of things. So I can see how they've, they tried to balance it. So how was the surgery exam? Hmm. All right. I'm going to be honest with you. After I do an exam, I don't really remember it still. Like, unless it was no, no, I don't, I don't want to know how it was like. Was it good? Was it But I mean, like, did how did they ask their clinical examinations? Because, honestly, you already know what MBBS is like. Why? Because if the OSCEs that we do in third and final year are just little sisters and brothers of MBBS OSCE. You know, it's the same format usually. It's basically. And just, it depends, maybe, in hindsight, less stressful, but at the time, mm-hmm. almost as stressful. So how did surgery do clinical questions like hernias, um, PAD? Hmm, I'm actually, I think we got a couple of pictures. Ah, we got, um, I think we had a fluid balance to work out. We had, um, we had a few. I'm trying to remember the whole exam itself. Um, oh gosh, don't it even. It wasn't one of those memorable because I wanted to go in and destroy surgery, right? Because I just came off of surgery. I spent a lot of time on it because I studied hard for that surgical end of clerkship. And I remember just finishing that surgery exam and saying, wow. That was kind of underwhelming. Okay. Must be nice. I was I was humbled. No, as in the exam, it wasn't good. I was humbled. Like I was Oh not what I thought you meant. Yeah. But you know, surgery exams tend to humble you. Yeah. Trust me. But I think the worst exam was OBS. Like OBS and Gang. Really? For me personally. I don't know about other people, but for me, the OBS section A floored me. I was fl- they were not typical OBS um mbps type questions that we hear about right they were just they were i don't know they were just they they were very they were hard in my opinion they were quite difficult and then also recall that in obstetrics things are very exact i think obs is one of those ones that is good for multiple choice because it's very clear cut yeah you know it's in obstetrics they can they have their protocols it's like it's not like getting a medicine exam and saying it goes what is the next best step and you're like but all of these are things that i would do and we do them all at the same time so i don't understand mm-hmm. whereas in obstetrics it's like what's what are you going to do next you know someone has a shoulder dystocia and you've already tried x maneuver what are you going to do next you know what you're going to do next because it's very Clear. Mm-hmm. OBS is either you know it or you don't know it. Facts. I don't find OBS is something you can work out. You know it or you don't know. 
And boy, me never did know it at all still. But now like... <laughs> but, okay. So, yeah. you know, 2K, 2K20, you guys have really and truly always been the guinea pig here. But no... You're, you've completed MBBS, and I know it was stressful. I know the exam results took a while to come out. Like, watching the statuses, people were like, ah, you know. You could feel, it was so weird, because I, even, even persons who weren't in your class were anxious for the results. It was like an event. I feel like if we could have watched it on TV and watched it happen, that persons would have watched it. But, I would have preferred to watch it than live it because living it was very stressful. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure it was stressful. I am sure it was stressful. I will not. We had our um. We had our own issues, but it cannot compare to what you guys must have felt in the moment. And it, it even continues like that whole thing perpetuates the fact that we had MBBS online. Like there's certain doctors that are calling us like the um the COVID, COVID interns, the COVID interns, the MBBS online, the online doctors, online doctors, all of those things. And I'm just like, what did we do to get such backlash? Like, did we create COVID? I don't get it. Like, this wasn't this wasn't anything we wanted. This was like sprung on us. So I don't know. It's just new. I'm sure that when they change the format of even how they change the taught medicine or the examined medicine, because I remember when my sister did medicine, she had essay questions. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that when they changed from essay to multiple choice, they were like, oh, you guys or whatever. It's I think it just comes with the territory. Something new. It's different. We each think that's how we learned and what we did was the best way. Sure. Um, but then that segues right into where I want to go. I think one of the biggest concerns people had was that your practical skills would suffer. Mm. And before you answer, me personally, because remember at that time, I was still fairly fresh Mm. from MBBS. MBBS was still fresh, was still a fresh wound. And I could remember internship at the time, or not, well, not remember, I was an intern, but remember being a starting internship and i remember there were yeah no there are conversations like but they're not gonna have the practical skills they're not gonna have this they're not gonna have that and i think that's a, that was a bit unfair because i learned a lot of things on the job mm. so i remember when i did obstetrics and gynecology i had ver- my abdominal examination yeah dismal and it's not to say I didn't learn it in third year. Mm-hmm. Not to say I didn't learn it in final year. Not to say I didn't, I wasn't examined on it on MBBS, but it was still dismal. I, 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 it was, it's one of my, it was one of my worst exams or one of my worst examinations. And it was really in obstetrics and gynecology where I was, when I ended up doing it all the time, that I got better at it. And then, this is not just the obstetric abdominal examination. This is also just the general abdominal examination. And I feel you. And then also vaginal examination. So in internship, that's really where your your practical skills excel. So taking 
bloods and doing IV accesses up to now. I've done a year and it's still difficult sometimes. So I know from being in the hospital itself that a lot of concern was about, oh, they're not going to have the practical skills. But then I'm looking and I'm saying, I, in theory, when I came to work, I knew how to do a thoracosynthesis or a paracentesis. Mm-hmm. That is just where you take fluid out of either the chest or the abdomen. But it was only in internship where I actually did one. You know? Yeah, because a lot of the skills I'm actually realizing that I didn't really, I wasn't the best at taking bloods. I'm still not the best at um, IV accesses. And you do get that experience as a med student. However, with COVID, even just missing that, that period for us personally, and even for the final years now, even though they're missing that practical experience, quote unquote, I mean, they will get it back. And majority of what you learn is really as an intern, like on the job. And it's not that hard to like, I mean, it, it is a lot. When you actually start and you become an intern, it's a lot thrown at you. Um, but what, whether you've done it as a med student or not, it doesn't give you a lot of experience to say, hey, I can put in an IV access in anybody with ease. Like, no, no med student is confident enough to do those kind of stuff. No med student can say, all right, let's just put in a UCAT, a urinary catheter easily, just, just like that. I mean, maybe a couple, but, you know, a lot of what you do is on-the-job experience. So, so, I mean, it's good to have the practical skills. I know because I was one of those medical students who, you know, when you had to fill out your card, mm. I like to maximize my marks. So I would, I, I knew that I wasn't a good exam taker, especially multiple choice. Mm-hmm. So I used to, I used to try and get as much experience. And one of the tricks that you learn is that if you have, for example, nebs to give, you know, you need to give five nebulizations. Yeah. Nebs the entire word. You'll never forget it. Go to a nurse and say, hey, can I do your nebs for this shift? Mm-hmm. And you will never forget how to do it. Right? Yeah. But at the same time, what it does is give you, it helps you with a little leverage. Yeah. But it's not to say that when you come to work, you can't, you, you, you can ask, you can say, oh, I don't know how to do this. How do I do it? Whatever. And it's the same thing with bloods. I remember whenever I had students as an intern and especially the final, the third years, I would say, I don't think we had third years, but if you weren't in final year, I would say do your practice examination skills and practice, get your practical skills. Cause I found that when I was in third year, I focused a lot on practical skills and examinations. And that made that when I reached final year, I didn't have to worry about quote-unquote practical skills as much same and i remember for final years i was like your aim right now is to ensure that you're passing mbbs Mm. like i don't want to see you doing iv accesses i don't want to see you doing bloods as priority you get me like do those things yes do those things but become a doctor first yeah but don't 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 run down iv accesses and bloods and you cut so much to the point where your studies are missing out. Exactly. Because when you come to the war now, yes, it going to it makes you slower mm-hmm. if you don't have the skills. But I mean everyone is slow when they just start. Though. Yeah. Trust me, I was slow. And you know what? 
in some aspects I'm still slow. I'm like it's been twelve months and I'm I'm not perfect. And there's still times where I have to ask a colleague to do something for me. And there are times when they have to ask me to do it for them as well. It's all a practice. Yeah, it's all a learning opportunity. So you don't yes. even when you finish internship, when you're going on to SHO, or even just as a med student, that you never stop learning in this in this practice. So do you feel like in comparison to say my year, do you do you feel shorted in any way, like know that you're an intern? Um shorted I would say probably not. In terms of l- clinical aspects, learning and so on, no. Because, I mean, to do MBBS, you have to pass all the other rotations. And we did all those other rotations. Right? It was just five weeks we missed. So I at all. In fact, I think it also helps because I'm a person that, as much as I can go on words and learn, I like to sit down and read, right? The only way the information is going to stay in my brain long term is if I sit down and read it, and that's just how that's just how I am, right? Mm-hmm. I think I got a lot of time to do that, like because of so course, you feel like you got to you got to cement a lot of theory and a lot of theories, a lot of things I was so uncertain about, a lot of different topics. Like I said, okay, let's learn the vasculitides because I never really been able to learn those kind of stuff. Let's learn some, you know, some far out things that they're not very common, common, but it would be good that if you know them, right? And similar. Honors questions. Yeah, those honors questions. Because <laughs> you already done pass off those, the regular hernia, the regular um, plural effusion, those kind of bread and butter. Mm-hmm. You're just like, hey, let's go for some higher level questions, some honors, some distinctions. So, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think that. Even after COVID leaves, if it ever really and truly leaves, you know, maybe it just end up be like a dengue. I don't know. I have no idea. Um, that's for yeah. another. That's for another conversation on another podcast. Thanks. You know. Um. Yes, I've been promising a part two COVID podcast, so you know, it's 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 in the works. It's in the works. Okay. But I think that after, I think COVID has changed a lot how we practice medicine. And how we teach medicine. And it has also showed us that there's still ways to teach medicine mm-hmm. um, using modern technology and just having different modalities other than that we're having. In fact, I want to big up Ambos. I think Ambos is. I don't. Have you ever heard of Ambos? Yes. Yes. Hello. If you're not using Ambus, you're literally wasting your time as a medical student. Like Ambus has everything a med student needs in just like point format. And it was mm-hmm. very pertinent points. So I used Ambus a lot and that helped me throughout a lot of the rotations in final year. And it helped even for MBBS. Ambus had these questions that I would do and it I would literally see in fact for the medicine paper, maybe twenty percent of all the questions I saw were almost like straight from Ambas, like they were Ambas type questions, 20 to 25%. So I would say, oh, use Ambas. Um, and there are certain other things you can do in order to 
help yourself to learn online, I would say, if I'm giving advice to medical students. Like, one, I wouldn't advise doing online classes in your bed at all. Like, have a desk, sit down, don't, this poor sleep hygiene, right? Um, and just say, all right, this is where I'm going to always just do work. And you kind of get into the routine, into the habit of saying, okay, I'm going to sit, I'm going to focus because I'm at my desk. I'm going to do work, right? So, yeah, ask a lot of questions. I would say try not to Google and answer. Try not to Google, like, the answer and just answer off your own accord. Um, and sometimes, even with the classes, they would pile classes on students. But students will have classes from, like, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. with maybe one or two breaks. And I'm saying, yo, that's kind of a lot. Can you really, how much do you really retain in those classes, right? So pick the classes that you know you will actually, make sure it's beneficial for you is what I'm trying to say, right? Figure out your own routine, your own study routine, and just try to participate in interactive sessions, right? Because it's kind of hard to teach even as a lecturer, it must be very hard to teach to a screen and not see students, right? So ensure that you're participating so they know that, hey, you're there and you really appreciate that they're doing this online thing for you, even though they are getting paid to do it. But still, it's just proper respect and that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so I think COVID is going to change how the medical students learn. And the biggest thing that I want to know is, do you think there are components of teaching online that they should keep in the program? 100%, right? Because there, there are pros to doing, um, to doing lectures online, right? So the fact that, as I said, being able to rewatch lectures, being able to listen to it on my own timing, Right? Because medicine doesn't always allow you to have like a fixed schedule. So if they say, okay, certain days we're going to just do an online class, I think that would be quite beneficial to a lot of students. Right? I think they could definitely keep it, especially consultants sometimes. I know this has happened to everyone in med school, right? Consultants would say, all right, we have class at 12, but then they show up at 12, 1230, no consultant. Then you hear, oh, they got stuck in surgery and so on and so forth. Being a doctor, we get, we, we do understand. It is time consuming. It's demanding, right? So pre-schedule, just have a class at like 6 p.m., right? If, if you have maybe one class every day, every two days or something like that. I think what do you think about pre-recorded lectures online? Like kind of like a Najib type situation. I mean, everyone uses Najib. Everyone uses those kind of, like those kind of videos. I don't know. A lot of people use videos as like, you know, like a, a little preamble, like Najib, Paul Bolin, those kind of um, osmosis. Like that really helps a lot of students, right? So I think there's definitely a place for it. And I think that's where a lot of maybe even develop, um, medicine in developed countries they may keep a lot of aspects, a lot of um, things that they've implemented during COVID period. I think they'll keep a lot of it because it, in the long run, will help out the med students. So, yeah. 
Loki though, this podcast had a lot of gems for students, like Facts. in terms of oh, don't know where to study from. Mm-hmm. Use these thingies, you know. Yeah. It's for real. I think there's some positives to take from COVID nineteen for sure. For sure. And I really hope that UE, UWI, um looks at what has happened and think about how it can improve the student experience. Unfortunately, I think though in Jamaica, because our internet penetration and our internet quality is not where it should be, that it might it might be problematic for some persons um to access these type of things and we kind of have to realize how privileged you are how privileged we are to have such easy access to internet or even saying you don't have internet at home how easy it is for you to say go to a cafe or a hotel or whatnot where there's free wi-fi available for you to use or even data to stream so we have to remember that all types of people Mm. do medicine it's super duper expensive but we don't know but there are persons from all different levels and classes who are doing medicine, whether through scholarships, through loans, through friends and family. Sure. Um, and we can't just assume that, oh, yeah, man, everything can be online because not everybody has the access. That is to true. Art. And that's one of the major concerns that has been happening. So hopefully on a long scale, we cannot work on our internet penetration in Jamaica as a whole. That's not really a UE's thing to do, but more of a call to action from our government, from mm-hmm. our network providers. And they've been doing a lot of stuff in terms of having zero-rated um, access, especially for um, high school students and whatnot. And Orville, I think, was zero I'm mean, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Orville was zero-rated at one point. So... Yeah, I mean, even having to rely for me, relying on JPS and, you know, my internet provider, since we're not bashing them anymore, um, that caused a lot of anxiety. Even in MBBS, there was a break. I took a break and my internet just went. And I was just like, yo, mommy, this kind of serious right now still. I'm going to need you to drop me by my bridging house because we don't have internet. And I mean, it thankfully came back within like five minutes. But those are things that a lot of students had to deal with. So Exactly. Yeah, internet penetration, we need to get to first world levels quickly because as we can see how crucial it is to have um, proper internet penetration or even stable internet, just yeah. the bare... And stable lights, you know? And stable lights, right? Exactly. So... Yeah. All right. So this sounds like we're coming towards the end. I enjoyed this conversation. I really did. Um, it answered a lot of my questions, and I'm always interested in what you guys are doing. Yes, I've left school and whatnot, but medicine is an apprenticeship. Each of us are we're supposed to all learn from each other, and you know, you want to know that. I don't know, or, or not our alums. You know, you, you still you still want to know what's happening in school and ensuring that the quality of education is only improving. Because they will become the future doctors. 
So. Exactly. Like some, like some lecturers will say, I need to ensure that when I am sick, mm. that you guys can treat me. Exactly. Right? <laughs> Dr. Hudson, Dr. Hudson always says that. Bigger up. She's a great teacher. Yeah. So that's one of the biggest things. Um, yeah. So we're coming, we're at the end now. Thanks for having this candid conversation with me. Um, told me a lot of things I never know. And I hope that persons, I hope a wide range of persons listen to it. I think this will be especially beneficial for persons who are still in school or even thinking of going, but also good for administrators and policymakers and legislators. Um, persons who can institute change mm. need to be the ones that listen to the voices of persons who are affected. True. So thank you so much well, for th- coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, there were there were I got a few messages of people just sharing their experience with me. Mm-hmm. Um but thanks for actually being willing to come and talk about it. I know you as a student so, so I know say excellent already. Uh let's let's not boost me on the program. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just try to be the best doctor I can. Which is all that you need to do. This is all that you need to do. So, um, is there anybody you want to big up? You want to, I don't know, um, advertise anything? I, I want to big up my study group. You don't know. Um, Mario McCollum, Matthew Preston, um, Jordan Shator. <laughs> they know themselves, you know, Rakio, Hakeem Bennett, the whole, the whole of the school. I want to big them up because I wouldn't be here without them, right? They literally helped me so much throughout the past, throughout MBBS, even throughout the past five years. Like your study group literally, or your friends in med school literally shape mm-hmm. your whole um, experience as a medical student. And they All help fast. build you up, they help motivate you because you need a lot of motivation in this program. Mm-hmm. Right. I sometimes I'm wondering where I can get motivation to buy because there's a point in COVID where I was just like, yo, I cannot read anything anymore. I'm sitting at home all day, every day, doing the same thing. It's the same monotonous routine of just getting up and just going straight to books, then going to classes. It, it gets it gets a lot. The pressure almost becomes insurmountable at times. So I have to big them up. And I also big up Amboss, of course. Like anybody that knows me knows you. Amboss will, Amboss will literally carry you through med school. Like Amboss can guarantee you an A in certain courses, in most courses, in almost all courses actually. So big up Amboss. I wonder if it's still free now for students because at one point it was the subscription. Like I know that you can access certain things without a subscription, oh. but at some point during COVID it was free, you know. Yeah, so certain even up to date I think was free for a bit too. Um, yes. So, but Amboss, so Amboss is free. So if you ever, so first things right, Amboss. If you're like googling something like a topic, let's say it's um, MI myocardial infarction. You can type it in on Google and you write Amboss. Yeah, and just write Amboss, and then you'll get access to the page. But there's mm-hmm. topics that aren't free. Usually, it's like the rare, rare stuff. Mm-hmm. But I know, I know, I use it as well in school. Where a lot of and it's very, it's very good for quick revision. Very good, and it's extremely good for multiple choice. Like it's mm-hmm. very good. These USMLE type questions, 
but it really helps with MBBS. So, yeah. So where can people find you? If you want people to, you know, follow you or anything like that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I guess I'm, I'm on Twitter. Um, I, I, I like the, the Twitter community. I think it's a great space in, in terms of like getting information out there and news and so on. Um, mm-hmm. follow me, I guess, if you want <laughs> at game sims. So G A M E, but the sims isn't like the video game sims. It's S I M M S, the two M's. So if you want, yes, just fun. Yeah. So thank you so much for listening to this conversation. Um, I hope you learned a lot. I hope it opened up your mind, made you more curious. On whatever platform you're listening to this to, please don't forget to like. Um, it's not like to to rate it. Please leave a review. It really helps out. And if you want to contact me or reach, get in touch with me. You can follow me on Twitter, which is my favorite platform as well, at the Layman's Doctor or the Layman's Dr. Um, that's how it's spelled. Um, that's also my Instagram handle. And you can always send me an email at thelaymansdoctor at gmail.com. Or if you can't bother with all that, just go straight to my website and all of my, all of the ways to reach out to me are on there. And that is going to be at the, that is going to be www.thelaymansdoctor.com. Thanks again, Sims, or rather Dr. Sims for, um, coming on the pod and having this conversation with me. Okay, cool. Big up yourself, Sam. I love this platform. I love this podcast. So thanks for having me. You're welcome. <laughs>